catch in my back. You know what that means? <laughs> Sit down too long. So, so I was just well, mentioning Brother Clyde's in the hospital, but <clears throat> also I think we're one week away from Myra and Teresa being great grandparents. Isn't that about right? Coming close, so in it. it is. I think it's what is it next next weekend? There you go, the tent, sir. You just made an excuse for William Nathan not being here again. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and get a little bit of studying done this evening. Um, I'm glad you came back tonight. I appreciate you coming back, and and we're having a good time. Uh, looking into the Word, and I want to expand a little bit from what we did this morning. I know this morning was a little bit lengthy. Uh, you know, Patty told me, she said, you probably could have put that in two messages. I said, well, I got it in one, but she said, well, maybe a Sunday morning, Sunday night. But there were some things in that I could have brought over. But what I want to go over tonight is very similar to, to this morning, and it's, but it's different scripture, but it, it all goes in the same a basket. It all comes together. It all accumulates together. And so we're going to look at some things. And so, so when you talk about the advent of Christmas, which is the first coming of Jesus Christ, the first advent, there's a theme to the Sundays that lead up to the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas Day. And so, so the first one is hope. And that's what today's uh, theme would have been about as far as the advent's hope. And so you look at the scripture, and then there's other themes throughout the, each week. And so we'll, I'll look at those, and if that hits me just right, then we'll certainly work on those. But this is hope, and this is the source of all hope. And so this morning we talked about hope, because hope is such an important word. But it's Christian hope that is really important. It's not just hope, but hope. Nothing wrong with having secular hope. Nothing wrong with hoping for things to happen Okay, but, but Christian hope is where we anchor in. And remember this morning I said, your hope is only as good as the character it's based on. And so if you're hoping for something that's not based on, that could go either way, then the character, that's what the character's displayed. But when your hope is in Jesus Christ, and your hope is in God the Father, and your hope is in, in the promises in God's Word, those are things that are 100% accurate. They'd never fail. Now, we hope for things a lot of times that we want to go our way. And that's where we have to be careful a lot of times because everything doesn't always go our way. A lot of times we want it to go our way, but it doesn't always. But, but I want us to look at some things together. And I gave you some straight-up different scriptures that go. And most of them were in the New Testament, but there is some Old Testament in there as well. And then we'll just, I gave you a few points uh, just on two different verses of Scripture of things I want you to remember and things I want you to anchor down in. <coughs> and so the source of all hope. So the Bible's full of verses and passages of Scripture that point to the source of all hope. And that's Jesus Christ. The Bible's full, the, from Genesis to Revelation, we know that every single verse of Scripture points to Jesus Christ. We know that from Old Testament, New Testament, it all points to Jesus because it is the story of God. 
It's God telling a story about the life of Jesus Christ from before he's here till he's here to after he's gone till he comes again, all right? But it all points to the source of hope. And when you say the source, Jesus and God are, are just, it's the same thing, so to speak. They're both God, okay? So when we point to the source, we're pointing to Jesus or we're pointing to God or we're pointing through the Holy Spirit, all right? Expanding on the scriptures that we studied this morning pertaining to hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Now, this evening, we're going to look at several verses of scripture, and you can see on the handout, and it's just one sheet, so it's not duplicate or multiple sheets, all right? Expanding on the scripture, we're going to look at some more scriptures that point to Jesus Christ. And every one of these could be put into a, a message, into a sermon. But we're going to look at some really important parts to the Scripture. And just like this morning when I, I singled out a couple verses, you know, uh, a child will be born and a son will be given. You just really, I never take one verse and just focus on one verse. Now, there are some verses that stand alone. John 3.16 stands right by itself. But there's a lot of good information before John 3.16 and, and 17 on. But that verse stands alone. And so when you look at these verses, I'm gonna, we're going to look at them together. And we're going to pull out some things out of those verses that are important and focusing on the source of all hope. Now, we all need to be reminded every so often that, uh, of hope that is in God, all right? Jesus and the Bible offer us hope on a daily basis. You know, every single day we have hope. Every single day we have hope in Christ. We never lose hope. Remember I told you that the last thing that people give up on is hope. But in Christian life, we don't even give up on hope because our hope is in Jesus Christ. He is eternal, and our life is going to be internal if we're, we're anchored into him, okay? Our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ are anchored into the trustworthiness of God to keep his promises. And how many times have we said that? Man, we're, we're anchored in and our hope is in Christian hope and is in Jesus Christ because he's trustworthy, because he's accurate, because he's loving, because of the characteristics that he has and that we have been revealed to us. We know that we can count on him, all right? Everything he said, everything he says, said, or is going to say in, to us, whether, whether it's through prayer or whether it's through the word of God, is a 100% trustworthy, all right? We place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, and we trust God to fulfill the promises that are found in his word. That's just the way we live. That's Christian living. We, we base it on what he's done for us to this point, and we base it on what he's going to do for us in the future, all right? Now, based on the fact that he's 100% trustworthy, you can't get better than 100%, right? That's the gold standard of anything, right? All right, so based on the fact that he is 100% trustworthy and has kept every single promise that he's given to us to this point, we can count on the fact that he's going to be 100% trustworthy going forward. Now, let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11, which is a very common verse of Scripture. But now, if you read up to it and after it, you might get just a little bit of a bearable of what it actually means. So we're taking one verse out and just looking at it, but let's look at it together. Or I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and what? Hope. 
to give you a hope. That's what he has plans for you, to give you a hope. Now, he's talking to the nation of Israel about this, but what he's talking to us, and when we look at that, he wants us to be successful. And I'm not talking about financial successful. He wants us to be successful at being a Christian, at being uh, Christ-like, moving toward growing in Christ, being similar to Christ, uh, growing together, serving like we're supposed to be serving, serving him, serving his people. But he says, I want to give you a future and a hope. And that's what he's going to do, all right? So true hope is based on and revealed word of God given to us in Scripture. So that's true hope. When we look at the Scripture, true hope is based on the promises of God, past, present, and when? Future, what he's going to do for us when Christ comes again, all right? All right, so let's look at a few, another one. Let's look at Romans fifteen thirteen. And there's a few things I pulled out of this for you, but let's look at this Scripture together. <coughs> all right. Now, may the God of who? Hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with what? Hope Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the God of hope wants you to overflow with hope. All right? Now, non-believers may use the word hope from a secular standpoint. We talked about that this morning. They use it in a different way. You know, I hope for this or I hope for that or I hope things happen in the way that I want them to, to look at. But they use it from a secular standpoint. But they do not experience the presence of the source of hope. So they don't experience the true hope that we're talking about. They don't experience the true hope that, that God is, the characteristic of God and the character of God. They don't experience that because they don't understand it. All right, Romans fifteen thirteen reveals this, and I pulled this out for you. <coughs> it reveals not only do believers have hope, but they also have joy, peace, and power. And if you go back and look at that passage of Scripture, you see it. Go back to Romans fifteen thirteen. Now... May the God of hope fill you with what? Joy and with peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope. So he doesn't just give you hope, but he gives you peace and joy and power to go along with it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I pulled those three things out for you, and I started to make some blanks for you to fill in, but I said, nah, this will, I'll be a little easier on them than that. All right? Hope is in who? Jesus Christ. Joy is found in a personal relationship with who? Jesus Christ, all right? All power is given to us by God through the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of each one of us. Now, we know that when we become a believer, he moves inside. He sets up residence in our heart. Now, think about this. At different times, and we've talked about this now, at different times in our life and at different struggles, at different issues, how does the Holy Spirit work in our life? Anybody? Do you remember what he does? Huh? He gives us peace. What else does he do? What does he give us? Hope. What else does he give us? Power. Joy. Think about it. You think about the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. That's the first thing that happens instantly when you become a believer. But during your time of of difficulty, during your times of struggle, the Holy Spirit gives you power. At different levels during your your life and your journey, he can come in and be stronger at different times that you need it or when you don't need it. But he gives you power. He gives you joy. He gives you peace. All these things are found through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a pretty significant verse of Scripture, 15, 13, all right? Now, let's look on again. Let's look at uh, Romans 12, 12. All right, here's another one. Rejoice in what? 
hope, be patient in affliction by persistence in prayer. And so what does that tell us? Huh? Rejoice in hope because our hope is found in who? Jesus Christ. So rejoice in Jesus Christ. Be patient in affliction. No matter what the struggle is, we want to be patient in affliction. We want to lean on the Father. We want to lean on the Holy Spirit. We want to draw that power that he wants to give us to get through these obstacles and be persistent in what? Prayer. Let me, tell you, let me ask something. How many names did I call off this morning on the prayer list? A bunch. You know what? I was thinking... I'm going to have to get two cards. I went from a small index card to a bigger index card. Now I'm going to get a... I guess I had to start using that page that Pam puts in the bulletin. You reckon? Hmm? Hope not. Yeah, get a little... We can just get them run up on the scroll on the screen. But let me tell you, we wouldn't take prayer out of that time for nothing. That's part of our worship experience. You know, prayer time that we do in the morning, prayer time that we do... You know, I pray with the deacons before we ever start... You know, we have a couple prayers before the services ever start. I've asked you to pray for the service before you even get here. You know, that's so important. And then we pray for those, those names for people because that's an important part of our worship. It's not just something that we add to the format of our, our structure of our, our morning, but it's part of our worship. All right? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. <coughs> now... Serving the Lord usually means, here's some, some issues. Serving the Lord usually means satanic opposition. You ever experienced any of that? Anybody ever had any satanic opposition? I know you don't want to fess up and give us any, any details about it, but think about it. Satan puts stumbling blocks in your path and in your day every day. He tries to get you to stumble every day. It may not be something vivid, but it may be a little bit of delay on that TV channel. It may be a little bit of delay on that scrolling when you're scrolling through the old Facebook or or social media. But he puts a stumbling block in your path, something that's going to catch you and try to get you to stumble. So that's satanic opposition, all right? The days are difficult. He gives us days of difficulty. He puts those things in our path and days of discouragement, all right? It indicates personal struggle in this life. Now, serving the Lord is difficult. It's hard. There's struggle. There's difficulty. But what did God say he was going to do every step of the way? He's going to be with us. He's going to walk with us every step of the way. He never once said in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, if you become a believer and you place your trust in Jesus Christ, life's going to get easy. Not one place in there does it say that. And many times it just gets harder. It gets more difficult. But the one thing Jesus said is is that he was going to go with us to the ends of the earth. And that's beyond. That's That's now to the time he comes back to the ends of the earth. All right? Now, Paul encouraged his readers to maintain their spiritual enthusiasm. What's the word I use for enthusiasm? I've used it two or three times. I've used it this morning, huh? Zeal. Zeal. I, I, I threw that in there for y'all, but anyhow, enthusiasm, excitement. Paul encourages us in, his, in Romans to maintain the spiritual enthusiasm that we have, the excitement that we have, not to give up on it because it's so important that we keep that excitement going. You know, I get excited. Do you, do you get excited when you read into the Word? When you start studying the Word and you see something that just starts coming to you or making a more sense or you're studying something in detail, but it means to keep that excitement going, all right? Because our focus is serving the Lord and not men. Now, we serve men. 
but our focus isn't serving men. When we feed 5,000 people here at Pine Hill, it's, it's serving people, but our focus isn't on serving those people, is it? It's on serving the Lord. We serve people because we serve his people. And that's the same thing. When you think about it, when, when, when you serve people, and they are, for instance, you hold a door open for somebody, and they walk through it, and they don't say thank you. How do you feel? Huh? Do you want to slam the door shut? <laughs> think about it. I've done that. I've hold over. And you know what I want to say? You're welcome. And they ain't said a word. You say you're welcome. And that's kind of sarcastic, isn't it? Huh? But you think about it. I tell you what. I've, had, I've done it more times. And more times than not, people have said, thank you. And it's worth it for the one time. All right? That's serving the Lord. All right? That's keeping the focus on serving the Lord and not men. When life becomes difficult... Even though we may focus on the needs of people, we want to make sure we focus on serving the Lord. Now, when it becomes difficult, the Christian cannot permit himself or herself to lose the enthusiasm of serving the Lord or let it grow cold. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how short people are with you, no matter what obstacles you face, Paul's talking to us and he's telling us we need to maintain our enthusiasm for serving the Lord. Because in the end, what's it going to matter? Who's it important to? Who are we trying to make sure we're successful at meeting the the role that we're supposed to do? God. That's who's important. What's the phrase? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the house of your master. doesn't matter what, what, what we get in the meantime when we're here. All right? Let's look at Hebrews 1. Look down at Hebrews 1. I've got to pull a few things out for you for this one, too. Because it's a little bit different from hope, but things here hit the same thing. <coughs> Brother Wesley, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. <clears throat> All right? So let's look at this. Romans 11 1. Now faith is the reality of what is what? Hoped for the proof of what is not seen. So it ties, So hope is tied to faith. Okay? Faith is what is hoped for. And the proof of what is not seen. So here's the thing, and I pull these out for you as well. True biblical faith is confident obedience in God's word in spite of difficult circumstances and consequences. So true obedient faith, all right? True biblical faith is confident obedience in God's word no matter what the circumstances. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to deviate from the word of God. <clears throat> I'm not going to compromise the word of God. I'm not going to bend because it makes people uncomfortable about the word of God. I'm not going to adjust it because people want it to be more uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What? I need some English majors in here. Huh? Well, I don't want I'm not going to compensate or change the word of God so that people are comfortable. Is what Politically correct. That's a good one, all right? You can't do that. I don't, I'm not going to do that, all right? No politics in here. Right? We don't do that. <coughs> Except on certain days. Sundays and Wednesdays only. All right. Christian faith is quite simple, all right? So I put this on here. This is quite simple, and I underlined the things and, and italicized the things that I wanted you to that I wanted to stand out for you, all right? Christian faith is quite simple. God speaks... 
That's the first thing. Now, here's, the, here's what goes on after that. It's almost like God speaks, and then everything else is going to have to start working because he spoke. All right? God spoke, and the world came into existence. God spoke, and man was created. God spoke, and the, and the light and day were separated. But God spoke. God speaks. All right? We hear him speaking to us through his written word. All right? Or we see his beauty. We see the, the things that he's done for. He speaks. We trust his word. And then what do we do? We act on it. Man, we have talked about that numerous times. You cannot just read the Bible and put it on the shelf and then pick it up and read it again. It's, a, it's something that's meditated on. It's something that's, that you bring inside of you. And then it's something that you act on, that you put it into work and you put it into action. Okay? All right? God speaks. We hear his word. We trust his word and we act on it no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences might be. No matter what the circumstances are, or no matter who might not like me anymore, no matter who might not vote for me anymore if I'm running for any particular issue, right? it doesn't matter. We don't compromise that. When God speaks, we hear it, we trust it, and we act on it. All right? Now, the circumstances may be impossible, and the consequences may be frightening and unknown. So put that in there just to think about it, because circumstances can be very difficult. They can seem impossible. And on our own, they can be impossible. But with God, what? All things are what? Possible. Nothing about God is impossible, all right? But we obey God's word just the same, and we believe him to do what is right and what is best. Now, when you think about it, all right, just look a little bit further. When you think about it, faith is only as good as the object, and I told you that earlier, and the object of Christian faith is God. Now, faith to the Christian is what the foundation is to the what? To the house. You can't build a house without what first? What does the foundation need to be? Solid. All right? So faith, Christian faith is solid because it's based on God. Faith is to the Christian what the foundation is to the house. All right? It gives confidence and assurance that he or she will stand no matter what happens. Man, the, the solid foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ, the rock that I'm standing on, because I'm anchored into him, no matter how much the wind blows, no matter how bad the storm is, it may bend me. But it ain't going to uproot me. It's not going to pull me out of the foundation that I'm in. All right? So you might say this. This is strictly biblical. Faith is the confidence of what things hoped for. All right? Now, when a believer has faith, it is God's way of giving him or her confidence and assurance that what is promised is going to be fulfilled. What is promised is what is going to be experienced. All right? What he said he's going to do is going to take place. All right? Now, let's look at Isaiah 40, uh, 31. And this is a, I love this verse of Scripture. All right? And I typically use this verse of Scripture on Senior Sunday because of what it stands for. Let's look at this verse together. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Is there hope in that verse of Scripture? The word hope's not in there, but look at hope. Is there hope in that Scripture? You know it. Look at it. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. That's hope. They will soar on the wings like eagles. 
That's something that's, that's almost impossible, but the image of that is a hope in Jesus Christ. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not be faith. Look at the hope that's in that one verse of Scripture. Now, God knows how we feel and what our needs are. Nothing, like I said this morning, nothing caught him off guard. He didn't wake up this morning and say, hey, I didn't see that coming. And Lord knows in my lifetime I have asked him if he didn't see certain things coming. But, but he has not. He sees everything. All right? He knows what our needs are. All right? He is all we need to meet every need in our lives. He's all we need. There's nothing else we need. We, you know, the thing is God puts people in our life. For encouragement. He puts people in our life to help lift us up. He puts people in our life for, for helping grow us together. But him himself is all we need. All right? All right. We can never obey God or serve him on our own strength, but we can always trust him to provide the strength that we need. All right? It says in the scripture, he's going to give us the strength that we need. He'll renew our strength. All right? All right. If we trust ourselves, we'll always faint and fail. And that's the opposite of what the Scripture, what Isaiah is saying. But if we wait on the Lord by faith, we'll receive enough strength to handle the journey that's ahead. All right? Any questions so far? I just need a swallow of water, so. Y'all good? All right. Let's look a little bit further. All right? And that's it. All right, she's talking about weight, all right? But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar like eagles, all right? They will walk and not go faint. So here's the look of it. The word weight does not mean that we should sit around and do nothing. And we've never once said that. We, the Bible tells us we're not to be idle. The word weight does not mean that. It means, here we go, the word weight means to hope and to look to God for all that we need. It means to hope, all right? The, uh, this involves meditating on his word, his character, and his promises. You know, when you meditate on scripture, you should always be thinking about the character of God because he is the author of the scripture. And you should always be thinking about who he is, what he is, and the, the, the names that he's given us. When we talked about Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, all those things we talked about this morning, that's what we should be meditating on when we're thinking about his character and his promises, praying and seeking to glorify him with everything that we do. All right? All right, let's look at Romans 8, 24 and 25. Now in this what? Hope we are saved, but hope... That is seen as not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Stop right there. If you see it, you don't hope for it, right? It's, you hope for something that, it, that you desire, all right? So to hope for what is not seen. Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with its patience, with patience, all right? So we're talking about the arrival of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about using him during times of, of struggle. All right? Scripture says that we wait and hope, all right? for we are saved by that hope. And when we look at what Paul's talking about, uh, so let's just look at what is Paul talking about and what's he referring to. Go over to Titus. Look at Titus 2.13. Right? This is Paul talking a little bit more. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope is what he's referring to, all right? And the glorious appearing of the great Jesus, our, our great Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, hope because, because the best is yet to come. Man, got to redo it. 
We hope because what? The best is yet to come. And we talk about how hard this life is. But, and we talk about the fact that we weren't created for this world. The best is yet to come. When we're in heaven with the Father and we're, glor- we're glorifying Him and we're singing praises to Him, that will be way beyond anything we could imagine here. Now, as hard as it is, Christians are not to get frustrated as they see and experience suffering and pain in the world. Now, that's, curious, that's a tough one. I almost didn't put that in there. But when you think about it, it's hard not to get frustrated. It's hard not to get frustrated because we're human beings, and there's a human aspect to these things. There's, 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 there's discomfort. There's depression. There's all kinds of things. It's hard not to get frustrated. But when we wait on the Lord, when we lean on the Lord, He will renew our strength, okay? All right? We know that this is temporary suffering in this world, and one day it's going to give way to the eternal glory. Now, last scripture. Let's look at First Peter 1, 9, and i got a bunch of them. 1, 9 all the way through it's actually verse 1, 3 through 9. I, I kind of did a little error on that. I'm not the best type. It's okay. But starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living what? Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into the inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, Kept in heaven for you. Now, stop right there just for a second and make sure you focus on that word in verse 4 that says inheritance, okay? That is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So where's your inheritance at? In heaven. That's where inheritance is. All right, so let's move on to 5. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, most valuable than more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with the inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All right? Now, to begin with, our hope is a living hope. Now, what does Scripture tells us? It's a living hope. Go back up to verse 3. All right? Birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So our hope is not some stagnant hope. It's not some stale hope. It's not something that's a fly-by-night kind of thing. It's not something that got some, some good to it, some bad to it. It may last this week. It may not. It is a living hope. That's what the Scripture says. Because it is grounded in the living Word of God and was made possible by the living Son of God, all right, who, to, who on the third day was risen from the grave. All right? It's a living hope. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a living Savior, all right? It's a living hope, all right? Now, a living hope is one that has life in it. So if it has life in it, it can give life to us, amen? If it's got life in it, he can give it to us, all right? And therefore, he does give life to us. Because it has life in it, it grows, and it becomes greater and more beautiful as time goes on. Now, look at this. Time destroys destroys most secular hopes. They fade away, and then they go away, and they wither away. That is secular hopes. When you hope for things that never come to fruit, uh, to be 
fulfilled in a secular aspect, then they wither away. All right, now, that's, that's secular hope. But the passing of time only makes a Christian's hope that much more prominent. The closer we get to the Lord, the more prominent and stronger our Christian hope becomes. All right? Peter called this hope, all right? Peter called this hope what? What did he say it was? In that first, in that verse? What do you call it? He said it was, in, well, in four, word in four, and into an inheritance. He called it an inheritance. Don't we look at it? Peter called this hope an inheritance, and as the children of the king, we share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ and his glory. Well, wait a minute, Carrie. What do you mean? We're going to share in Christ's glory? All right? He said this was an inheritance, all right? Now, as children of the king, we share in that inheritance with Jesus Christ and his glory. You might say that we are included in his last will and testament. Amen? Y'all didn't get that. I just threw that one in there, all right? All right. But anyhow, he share, we share in his glory. We need to make sure that we understand that the description of this inheritance is totally unlike any earthly inheritance that we might give. It's a completely different type of inheritance because it is not an inheritance of this world. It's an inheritance in heaven, all right? For one thing, it is, what, the, what does he talk about? For one thing, it's incorruptible, all right? It can never be corrupted. Nothing can deviate it. Nothing can disrupt it. it can, it's never corruptible, which means nothing can break it down. Nothing can ruin it. It won't fade away. It won't wither away. All right? He goes on and says it's undefilable. All right? It cannot be stained. It cannot be cheapened. It cannot be replicated. All right? And then he pushes it a little bit further. All right? It will never grow old because it is eternal. It cannot wear out like other things do, nor can it disappoint us in any way. <clears throat> now, in 1 Peter 1, 5, and in 9, in two different verses, when you look at those two verses, this inheritance is called salvation, all right? Because we have salvation in Jesus Christ, and he gives us the inheritance. That's how we're connected with Christ. That's how we join in the inheritance that he has for us through salvation. The believers already say through faith in Jesus Christ. But the completion of the salvation awaits at the return of Jesus Christ. Either when we join him in heaven or when he returns to, to receive his church to himself, that's when it's going to be completed. All right? Then we shall have, what, new bodies, and we'll enter into the new environment, which is called the heavenly city. Now, uh, one last thing on First Peter in verse 7. Peter called this hope the appearing of Jesus Christ. He called it the appearing of Jesus Christ. If you look at Paul's writings in Titus 2.13, we went back to that. Paul called it the blessed hope. All right? Hope is what we we're looking for here. What an exciting thing it is to know that we were born for glory, that we were not born for this world, that we were not born for, for this time. We were born for eternal life with Jesus in heaven. All right? That's an exciting thing. Now, when we were born again, we exchanged the passing of glory of man for the eternal glory of God the Father, our everlasting Father, the mighty God. Okay? You got it? Was that too much? Right on time? All right. Well, any questions? Merry Christmas. <laughs>